Hello and welcome to The Gathering Podcast. If you are listening on a different medium other than through our app, please be sure you find it, download it. It is available on iOS and Android. You can search We Are The Gathering and then you can have these podcasts right at your fingertips. Please sit back, relax, enjoy this message, and I hope that it inspires you. At the last gathering, Grant talked about getting through it all with the help and aid of Jesus. That was You Played Yourself, part one. It was an incredible message. He talked about three ways to get through it all with the aid of Jesus. Number one was trusting God. So just a recap, uh, something that he said was that what God told you on the mountaintop is still good in the valley. How good is that? Number two was knowing yourself. Your actions are not your identity. Rather, it's who God says you are. And number three, how to get through it all, is living in your season. If you don't live in your season, then you will miss out on what God is trying to do today and tomorrow. Living in your season is kind of where I want to pick up here. And my message or the second part of this you played yourself series is called thrive in all we talked about how to get through it all with the help of jesus but i want to talk about thriving in all you know john 10 10 says uh, that jesus came jesus is speaking and he says that i came so i have come so that we can have life and life to the full jesus came He lived a completely sinless life, and he died on a cross bleeding with you on his mind. He set us free forever from the chains of sin and death and the power that death has. But he didn't do all that. He didn't hang on the cross bleeding. Think about you, thinking about you, thinking about everything that he knew that you were going to do and want to do and the passions that God has created inside of you. He didn't do that. And think about all of that just for you to barely get by. God so intricately wove you in your mother's womb, planted all those things in you and created from the beginning of time a way for you to be set free, for Jesus to come, not for you just to live, but for you to thrive in all. Not to just survive, but as Jesus says, live life to the full. Not just to survive, but to thrive in all situations at all times. And the moment that you believe the lie that you were created for anything less, guess what? You played yourself. Every season is important. When you realize that, then you won't rush the season that you are in. Just like Grant left off with in in through it all, living through it all, was living in your season. And knowing that the season is important is the first step to thriving in all. And it actually leads to the first point of thriving in all, which is to embrace your place. Last gathering, Grant told the story of, of David, how he ended up becoming anointed as the future king of Israel, despite the odds, despite that he was on the backside of the mountain or that he was out tending to the sheep. While all of his brothers were lined up, 
Uh, he's one of eight sons, sons of Jesse. So his seven brothers are all lined up, ready to be bestowed, potentially bestowed upon with the anointing as future king. None of them get it. David gets it. It's an incredible moment for him. But now we have a new season happening. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses, um, well, well, leading up to verses 32 and 40, let's let's get up to speed with, with what's happening here. So David gets anointed as the future king of Israel. Well, then war breaks out. The Philistines are coming after the Israelites, God's chosen people, and Jesse's three oldest sons, so David's three oldest brothers, go out and and join the Israelite army. So they're out there and they're across the battlefield from the Philistines. And Jesse tells David, he says, hey, I need you to, to take some stuff, um, some supplies, go take them to your brothers and come back and give me a sit rep. I want I want a report a situational report on, on how they're doing what's going on and then go back to the sheep. So there's actually this period of 40 days where this is going on. At the same time, the Bible tells us the story of Goliath. Goliath is this giant who is huge beast and his whole thing is taunting the Israelite army. And every Every day, um, I think it's three times a day, he goes out and taunts the Israelite army. And when he does, the, the men in the Israelite army go running out of fear. And so for 40 days, this is happening. Goliath is taunting the army, but at the same time, David is running supplies to his brothers and checking on things. Well, by the 40th day... David gets frustrated. He runs out there and he looks at um, one of the chief guys there and actually gives all the supplies to this guy. He's like, here, hold this. He goes out there and starts talking with the soldiers. He's like, hey, what's up with this guy? Why is everybody afraid of him? And like, what's the deal? What's the reward if somebody kills him? So David starts stirring up the town a little bit here. He's having conversation and he eventually ends up in front of Saul, the king, talking about Goliath. And that's where we're going to pick it up. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32 to 40. And David's so fed up. He's like, you know what? He's talking to Saul. He says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do, I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, all right. Go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. 
David put it on, strapped a sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Stop right here. The first half of this thing, you know what it sounds like to me? You know what it sounds like? It sounds like, um, what's that movie where the odds may ever be in your favor? Um, what is that movie? I'm drawing a huge, huge blank right now. Um, but this whole scene here where, where David's in front of Saul and he's volunteering He's volunteering as tribune. He's like, I'll do it. I'll go kill Goliath. I'll kill this guy and do it. And finally, Saul's like, okay, may God bless you. May the odds ever be in your favor. Um, I'm going to actually search this because it's going to drive me crazy what movie this is. It is Hunger Games. This sounds like the Hunger Games. David's signing up for the first ever Hunger Games, and it's in the Bible. This is Bible right here. He says, I'll go do it. I'm volunteering as Tribune. Saul says, may the odds be ever in your favor, and here's some armor. Good luck. But you know what David does? He knows himself. Going back on the second point of, of Grant's message, through it all, know yourself. David knows himself. He knows this is not me. I can't do this. This is not what I need to get this done. So he chucks all that. He gets out of the army. You know what he does? He goes, he picks up five smooth stones from a stream, puts them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he goes across the valley to fight the Philistines. So here's the scene. He bends down in this stream. He picks up five smooth stones. He gets up. The camera is here. It, you can see the stream in the foreground. And there's David just walking off into, into the, the sunset there. But it's actually the battlefield. And he's just walking off. And the music is playing. Epic battle music is playing. The tension is rising. Just waiting to see what, what's about to happen here. But I actually, um, I've got a smooth stone here, and I'm holding it. And for those listening to this um, message through the podcast here, just imagine a smooth stone. Just imagine this. So in this scene, David is walking into quite possibly the most dangerous moment of his entire life. He's heading out onto the battlefield. He's, he's defeated many animals, but here is the largest Philistine. The guy is literally scaring the pants off of the army of God. And David is walking out towards this guy, only a boy, as Saul so eloquently reminded him just a little bit earlier in Scripture. You're just a boy. The good news is David knows his skills. He knows who he is. He has skills with a sling. But leading up to this point, he had a problem. He chunks off all the armor and goes, you know what? I'm just going to go with what I know. But he realized at that point that he had no ammunition. He didn't come ready to fight. He didn't come ready. So knowing he's about, he just volunteered his tribune to go kill Goliath. Now he needs some ammunition. So you know what he does? He thinks about where can I find the best ammo for my sling? Well, 
think about it, the, the best ammo for a sling is a rock, obviously. But what do we know about rocks in typically found in nature? If you pick up one laying on the ground, what's it going to be like? It's going to be rough. Now, you don't have to be a you know aeronautical engineer to know that a rough stone is not that aerodynamic. It'll fly hard and fast and hit with some force, but if your weapon of choice is a sling and you're looking for weight, you're looking for speed, but you're also looking for accuracy, what is your ideal ammunition going to be? Not just a rock, but what kind of a rock? A smooth one. Well, David's smart. He's been here before. He's been in this situation, at least preparing or to be prepared to fight something. He knows with experience he needs smooth stones. And he also knows with experience how and where to find smooth stones. It just so happens that the battlefield that David is walking out on is in the Valley of Elah. You have the Philistines on one side, the Israelite army on the other side, and it just so happens that there's a stream running through the Valley of Elah. Now, David has been to this area, and I'm sure being a local to this general region, somehow he knows about this stream. So thinking... I need the best ammunition for this situation. I need to find a body of water, a stream, a river, something where I can find rocks. So, being light comes on, he says, I'm going to the stream over here that's actually in the Valley of Elah. I'm going to find me some rocks. So, David goes. He picks up these five smooth stones. And then, he's ready and heads into battle. See, David's smart. He knew that the secret to being deadly against the enemy was to have the best tools. The rocks that are most prepared for this moment. You see, God is similar. God is similar with you and me. He knows that he is you know, the enemy is already defeated, but he crops his head up in everyday life. And God knows that in order to defeat the enemy in people's lives, in our lives, that he needs the best tools. He's looking to you and he's looking to me, not just to survive, but to thrive in every situation. And he wants to use us to defeat the enemy, to be able to go out in this wild place called planet Earth, where we live life every day and be ready for for battle. God knows that the best rocks for battle are the smooth ones. Just like the rocks that were planted in that stream. If those rocks had not been in that stream, they would not have been the ones that David would have chosen. The stream was the place where they were, and because that was the best place, they weren't going anywhere. Now, obviously, they're inanimate objects. They couldn't have gone anywhere. We are uh, people of choice. We've been given the freedom of choice. So what you need to do in order to be like the rock that's in the stream is recognize that you are in your stream and embrace your place. Because you never know when you will be picked up for use in the Lord's plans. You never know. And as soon as you lose sight of how valuable the places that you're in, guess what? You played yourself. But let's not take for granted the state of these rocks. We know that they are smooth and perfect for battle because they're in the stream. But guess what? They weren't always that way. Because while you are in the place that you are in, you're embracing that place. The reason why it is important because you're also in process. And the second key 
to thriving in all is to know you're in process. Rocks are made smooth only by the constant state of friction that they are in by the water, which is what? It's erosion. Everybody knows the concept of erosion. And the rocks that were in that stream, I'm sure when David looked into that stream, he had a few to choose from. Some that were more rough than others, some more misshapen than others. I'm sure he tried to find the ones that were as perfectly round as possible, going for the ones that were furthest along in the process that the water of erosion had been um, subjecting them to. And so while we embrace the place that we're in and having in our minds, knowing that we're in a, a process is great to thriving and all. The problem, the problem that's inherent with erosion and friction is that friction sucks. It's tough. Like literally the process of erosion consists of a, a chipping away. A, a constant act of removing things off of the surface and shaping the surface. See, in order for a rough rock to get smooth, it's not like Play-Doh where you just mold it and it stays the same mass. But actually, as those edges round off, the rock ends up smaller than it initially started. It's actually a chipping away. And that's what's happening in our lives, where we are and what's going on, the the things that are happening around us that that are creating friction, that are tough. It's it's tough and it's difficult, but they're important to helping us grow and to helping us become the best tools in life and helping us to to also be able to thrive in this situation and be ready for whatever comes. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance also has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So here's an interesting paradigm or perspective shift here and this is the key to to staying in your place when you're in this tough process when you know that you're in process is seeing this as a a valuable season as a valuable thing to you and and where God's trying to get you to use you in your life in your purpose and the vision that he's got for you where he's trying to get you down the road to vision is for you to actually see these things, the, the, the process of erosion in your life as great joy because it's an opportunity for you to grow. It says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, what? You will be perfect and complete needing nothing. See, the only way to become perfect and complete and get to the point where you don't need anything is to let this erosion happen. And not just to let it happen, but to be joyful in the erosion process, to be joyful and understand, know that you're in process and welcome it with open arms. 
Say, God, thank you for this opportunity to grow me. Help me see how even though this situation is tough and I may not understand and it may be more difficult for me in my life than it is for someone else. But you know what? I'm thankful for this season. I'm thankful for this hard time. I'm thankful for this testing because I am getting more of an opportunity to grow. I'm having more rapid water in this stream at a heavier velocity hit me. And so my process of erosion is going to happen quicker. I'm going to be well shaped and ready for battle faster than the rock over there in that stream that's just moving at a trickle pace because of the testing the things that I'm going through. You see, we we are humans, flawed people li living in a world of complete freedom of choice. So why things happen the way they do, it has to do with choice and nature just cause and effect those things you can't control but what you can control is your mentality your perspective in those moments in the process and how you see it and so to thrive in those seasons and to thrive in all those things and the effects that were caused in ways that you can't control to thrive in those you must embrace that place that you're in and know that you're in process and go, all right, this is just part of the process. I'm honing, I'm honing in. And, and God tells us that uh, he gives us hope for this in Philippians 1.6. He says, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. You know what this does? This tells us when the process ends. And guess what? It's on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So whichever comes first, death or Jesus, is when our process will end. But until you get to that point, you need to know that you're in process and you are always in process. No matter what the season is, whether it's easy or it's hard, we are in process. I have a Snapchat-worthy saying for you. Uh, if you're not here in person, this is kind of hard to grab a hold of. Uh, but just roll with me here. I'm trying to be culturally relevant, and it's got some alliteration to it. But here, just write this down, record it, take it, post it as a status, whatever you got. If, if you want to kind of um, concentrate everything we've just been talking about here into one line, it's this. The place that you're in and the process that you're going through is exactly what God has designed to propel you into your purpose. I'll say it again. The place that you're in and the process that you're going through is exactly what God has designed to propel you into your purpose. See, no matter where you are, God is asking you to live in his plan with kingdom purpose, and he wants to use each difficult situation to make you more smooth. But the moment that you allow yourself to believe that God is not going to sustain you and that it's too much, the pressure's too much, that it's impossible, guess what? You played yourself. You definitely played yourself. And I have a, uh, um, just as an illustration for for this whole kind of thing here, um, just a funny tangent. I worked in the automotive industry for almost five years. And how many know that when you work in an industry, 
then no matter what you're doing, whether you're off work or on work, wherever you are, you just kind of notice things about that industry. Like if you're in the restaurant business, you can't just go and relax at a restaurant. You're going to notice everything, the service to what they're wearing, how hot the food is, what it tastes like, the presentation, all the details that nobody else maybe even realizes. You notice everything. Well, I notice things about vehicles, about cars. I'll just be walking around and naturally I see the stickers on license plates and I analyze whether they're expired. State inspection stickers, same thing. I see tires, whether people need tires. Um, just different things like that. Well, I just happened to, uh, we had church Sunday morning and I went out to, to brunch with some friends after that and it was it's a good time just hanging out. We left, and I was walking to the parking lot going to my car, and I noticed uh, a vehicle is actually right next to mine. I noticed something wrong with this vehicle. It just immediately caught my eye. I mean, I'm actually pretty sure that anybody could have noticed this, but here it was, a Toyota uh, RAV4, and on the back of most SUVs or small ones, there's the spare tire, right? Got a nice cover on it. Well, I noticed right away that this vehicle is missing the cover that goes over the spare tire. So it's just there, just hanging out um, on the back door of the vehicle. But there's something really wrong with this is that the rim itself is bolted on the back, securely fastened. There it is. But the problem is there's no tire. There's literally no tire on this rim at all. And I just happened to think that this guy or whoever this person is, even though they're they're running on all four wheels right now and things are good right now, that the first time a an obstacle comes across the road and causes a tire to go flat, they will not be able to thrive in that situation because they don't have a backup plan. They're not ready to for for every situation that could come along. The moment that a tire goes flat, they're going to be out of luck. They've got this this rim, but it's only as good as the tire that's on it and there is no tire on it so it's no good so tying tying that back in it's like david having his sling having his shepherd's bag ready to go into battle with no smooth stones and we have to understand that that's that's how god is existing outside of this life he's got this great plan he's got this great purpose this this end goal to uh, have the whole world be set free from sin, which we already are, but, but to defeat the devil, for all of us to spend eternity with him, to bring all his children to him, and he wants to use you, and he wants to use me. He needs stones for his shepherd back. He needs tires for his spare wheels. He needs us to understand what's going on and to be ready for any situation. And if we miss this, if we miss these points, if we don't stay in our place in the stream and know that we are in process, then God's going to have to move on to someone else who can figure it out, who, who he can use. So know that you're in process and let God continue to use you. You know, the Bible says that nothing is impossible with God. That's Luke one thirty-seven. And if you really... If you really, really believe that, then you won't let the tough times get you down. <clears throat> you will embrace your place knowing that you are in process. And you will also, third point here, you will live and let die. You will live and let die. Some of you uh, know 
or recognize that phrase. It's actually it's the title of a, a James Bond film. Any James Bond 007 fans out there, I'm definitely a 007 fan. But it's also the title of a song by Paul and Linda McCartney, which was written for the movie. They were made for each other. Um, Paul and Linda McCartney were tasked with making the song uh, for the movie Live and Let Die. And here's just here's just the chorus of that song. It says, um, excuse me. <coughs> it says, but if this ever-changing world in which we live in makes you give in and cry, say live and let die, live and let die. But if this ever-changing world in which we live in makes you give in and cry, say live and let die, live and let die. See, the world has a negative view of hard times and of struggles. As this says, if the world's tough, if it's making you cry, if it's making you give up, then just live, live the life, do what you can while you're here, and then just die. It'll all be over. Don't worry about it. It'll all be over one day. Everybody dies. Just do what you can and then die. No big deal. That's it. Well, that's that's actually kind of depressing if you think about it. But, see, we as believers, we get a huge, huge paradigm shift uh, when it comes to when the world is, is tough. We have the best example of this in, in Jesus. Luke 23, verse 35 through 43 says this. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, saying, This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus lived to die. See, what was happening here, what you see a common uh, a reoccurrence or theme of repetition here, where people are telling him, you are Jesus. If you really are God, save yourself. Take yourself out of this tough place, this, this tough process, and save yourself. What are you doing? Why allow yourself to stay here? But see, Jesus knew that where he was right there at the time and place and what he was going through was exactly where he was supposed to be. He was embracing it. And he knew that his purpose, his entire purpose for coming to earth was, was to live just to die. Going through this process and getting to this point where he was staring death in the face, heading right towards it, he knew that he was called to live to die. And it made all the difference. Instead of it being something negative, something where 
he just saw himself as the victim and excused himself from being able to have a part in this amazing God purpose and plan in life and going, you know, I can't do anything because here I am stuck on the cross dying. I'm just in this horrible place. God can't use me. He realized that that's actually the whole reason why he came. And God is asking us to do the same, to live, to die. Romans 12, 1 through 2, this is Paul talking or writing to the to the church in Rome. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, God has an amazing will for you and he's trying to keep you right in the right place for the right amount of time in order for you to be ready but there's a problem here something i like to refer to as the human variable and that's you that's me the problem is as i mentioned earlier is that we have complete and 100 percent freedom of choice in the Old Testament, or, or prior to Jesus, the only way to put off sin was to have an animal sacrifice. <clears throat> and the thing about a traditional sacrifice is you have an altar, and you place the animal on that altar, and you kill it. The blood pours out, you do the whole thing, the ritual, and that's it. There it is. Once it's happened, the animal's on the altar. It's there. It's not going anywhere. It's clearly dead. And that's it. Moving on. The next time you need a sacrifice, you got to find another animal. And it's a con- it was a constant reoccurring thing. Always having to get a new animal, but you had to completely kill it. Here we have a completely, again, a whole different paradigm shift on death. Living to die as paul saw it as something that wasn't good you know just do what you can and then die god is actually asking us to lay ourselves on the altar of sacrifice but the human variable the problem with this is that he uses a interesting word here living be a living sacrifice the difference between the old sacrifice, like with a lamb, you kill it, it's dead, it's not going anywhere. A living sacrifice, you and me, we have the choice, <clears throat> the opportunity at any moment that we're on the altar and it's starting to be tough and we don't see the point anymore. We play ourselves and we get up off the altar of sacrifice. You being alive have the choice every day, any moment to get up off the altar But through the word here that Paul is writing, God is pleading with us to be a living and holy sacrifice at the kind that he will find acceptable. And it's actually how we are worshiping him. And the only way to do this, the only way to keep this up and make this happen is by transforming the way that we think, as he says here in verse 2. Embracing our place, as James 1, 2 says, to consider it joy we have to completely shift our thinking here knowing that we're in process and learning to rest on the altar
being okay with the pain. Again, being okay with the process, this erosion, with the friction. That's tough. See, God wants you to thrive in his perfect will for you, but he needs us to rest on the altar while we are in that process. And as he causes the unfruitful things in our lives to die, it will be painful. It will cause you to doubt. And depending on who you have around you, people may be telling you that you're silly, that you're stupid. You're not even thinking, what are you doing? Why are you here? Why are you in this place? There's an easier option over here. Or maybe you're getting um, a job offer somewhere else, but you know that's just not where God wants you to go. Where you are, it might be tougher, but you know that where you are is right where God wants you to be, and he has you in prop and in process. And the moment you get off that altar, you played yourself. Don't let that be you. You can thrive. God wants you to thrive. He's called us not to live life, just regular life, but to live life in full. Not just to survive, but to thrive. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever's happening right now, I, I'm pleading with you. I'm challenging you. I'm challenging us to turn to God and say, okay, God, if I'm, if I'm living to die, if I'm in process, you're trying to turn me into a smooth stone. Help me see the things that are tough as valuable. Help me realign my thinking to be with yours. Transform my mind here into being a new person. And help me learn and know what your will is for me. Because I know that your will is good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. And when you can see that, when you invite the Holy Spirit in to give you that perspective, he'll fill you with his supernatural peace. And you won't worry. You'll just know, you know what, right now might not be how I want things or maybe what God has shown me and where I might be and where I might go. But know that God knows where you're going. You, If you think you know you, God knows you even better because he designed you intricately in your mother's womb. If you think your mom knows you, God knows you even better than your mom does. So God has a plan here to help you satisfy all the passions and things that he put in you. You don't have to fight God for your passions. He actually is the one who put them in there and he's designed a way for those things to be satisfied in your life but he knows that the only way for us to have and obtain real satisfaction and to feel like we're really thriving is through a loving relationship with him and when we we are intricately tied into this larger purpose of bringing the rest of his children to him and god wants to use you to defeat the enemy, not just in your life and other people's life, to show them that they're also in process. And hey, I know where you are is tough, but embrace it because God's using it. He didn't create this situation. People and their freedom of choice created the situation or just nature and events created the situation. But Romans 8.28 says that God works all things to the good of those who are called according to his purpose. God has already planned to work this for the good. And if you can just see it, then it will completely change and transform the way that you feel about it and and your ability to process it, your ability to not just maintain or make it through or to survive, but to actually thrive in what could possibly the worst 
or be the most dangerous situation. See, David was walking into the most dangerous situation, but because he had rocks that were ready, he was confident. And we know the rest of the story. David sizes up Goliath and out of faith with the skills that he's been practicing. This first stone that he picks out of this bag knocks Goliath square between the eyes. And don't think that that was just chance. It was because we had a person who was skilled and ready and knew his enemy who wasn't scared had the best tools. God wants to use you. You are the best tool. He's got you right where he wants you. And he is orchestrating everything around you. All these things. See, God is the water of life. He is the living water. And as he's moving around you, he's honing you in like a rock in a stream. So stay there. Embrace your place. And know that you're in process. And live to die. Let those things inside of you that that aren't right, that are unfruitful, that aren't you know, fruits of the Spirit to die. It's going to be painful. It's going to hurt, but if we can align our thinking with knowing that it's for not just our absolute best, but it's part of God setting us up to be used to slay the enemy in people's lives in the future, then you will see that every second is important, and you will not just sit there, but you will thrive there. You will thrive there. You can get through it all with the help of Jesus, and you can thrive in all of it when you can see and reorient your thinking and know that where you are is exactly where God wants you to be. You know, maybe um, maybe you're listening to this and you, you hear me talking about these things, about knowing that God has this huge plan for you. And for a second, I, I want to take a step back from that. Maybe I'm assuming too much with, with where you are in your place and with what's going on in your life and we've talked about you know laying on the altar of sacrifice and allowing god to orchestrate your life <clears throat> maybe you're listening to this and you've never done that maybe you've never done that uh, at all and so what i'd like to do is is invite you give god a chance give jesus a chance to be the Lord of your life. I promise you anything that you can try to do to, to feel like you're thriving in life, even if you are thriving in life, what what do you turn to the first moment that things don't go right? How do you process that? How is that going to make sense in your brain? See, if you can get on uh, the truth here and knowing that Jesus actually, as Lord of your life, can orchestrate everything that's happening to come out for the good and to use you for a higher purpose other than just worldly success or other things <clears throat> or you know a good family and all that but there's actually something bigger here that God wants to use you and he wants to help you constantly grow and and succeed in growing and being even more fruitful in influencing other people no matter how bad things get and I can sit here and tell stories of my own life, but just know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I would not be where I am today if it wasn't having grabbed a hold of this and knowing that the purpose and the plan that God has for me is way better than anything I could try to do on my own, even if I could achieve worldly success. How many celebrities and people who have success in life early 
because they're living in the world and they, they go from thing to thing to thing because nothing satisfies. I can tell you the only thing that can satisfy you is the, the reason why you were built. And God made us, built us to love him, to be in loving relationship and also be co-partners in him with this uh, with him in this adventure to help bring other people to him. Our brothers and our sisters out there in Christ who are also dying or encountering uh, tough situations. So I just want to invite you, if you've never made that decision, to say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I give it all to you whether you, whether I feel like I need you or not I know that you've designed me and built me for something better and I want to get attached to that I want to get a road uh, get on the road to your vision and not just a vision I want to get attached to the God plan and not just a good plan and so if that's you and you want to do that as you listen to this just go ahead and repeat after me in this prayer <clears throat> Jesus I love you and I thank you that you lived to die. That is, you hung on that cross, brutally beaten and bleeding. That you thought of me. You thought of everything that you had for me. All the purposes and plans that you designed and put inside of my heart. And you knew that your death in that cross was just the beginning of unlocking this amazing plan and purpose and things that you have for me god i thank you that you love me no matter what and no matter where i am at any point grace your grace restores me to being in an incredible one-on-one relationship with you i thank you that you take me as i am where i am exactly how i am and so i i ask you to forgive me of my sins anything leading up to this point it doesn't matter it's all gone i make you the head of my life and i choose from this moment to follow you give me the power of the holy spirit and put people around me to help me stay aligned so that i can continue to embrace my place and see the process that you're putting me through and as you're honing me in lord thank you for everything that you've done for me i love you amen Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to check out the other sections in the app. You can connect with us. You can see upcoming events. You can have someone pray for you. And if you'd like to support what we're doing, you can also make a donation through the giving section. Stay tuned for more messages like these, and we hope to see you soon.